Welcome back to another episode of the RAG podcast with me, Sean Anderson, the CEO and founder of Hoxo Media. This is the show where every single week I bring to you an interview with a recruitment owner who is leading a forward-thinking business through what is a very interesting time. So I'm interviewing some of the biggest agencies on the planet and some of the most forward-thinking businesses on the planet to bring to you insights, really, on how you can bring uh other people's experience into your agency and learn from them. Um, together, I believe the industry will be stronger if we learn from each other. This week, I'm super excited to be joined by James Cox. James is the CEO of Trinovo Group, which is a multi-brand recruitment agency or group of recruitment agencies. Um, and he came through the ranks as the founder of a smaller business within that group and has worked his way up to CEO. Um, this is the first time I've spoken to James. I know you've been talking to my business partner, and I've dealt with a lot of people at the, across Trinova before. Um, but James, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sean. Nice to meet you. Thanks for having me on as well. Not a problem, mate. Not a problem. Um, I, uh, I'll give you a little intro. I'm never, you know, I, I can't do it justice. So for, for the listener's benefit, give us a better one. Tell us who you are and what it is you actually do on a day-to-day. Yeah, so I guess uh, intro to me is it kind of fell into recruitment like a lot of people. Um, so started off doing pure pure life sciences, all mm. all perm, all UK centric, and yeah, through a myriad of roles, moved moved my way up, um, and then now, so my role is yeah, CEO of Trinovo, which I transitioned and moved away from pure biotalent, which is my part of the group and what what yeah. I set up um, with with the other founders for biotalent in particular to look at the effectively form as a group, step up, be CEO for the whole group, and um, yeah, effectively look at the strategic growth direction, where I want to go, the vision what I want to be famous for and, and like take the business, which is Trinovo business from where we are now through to that, the next five, 10 years of growth. Love it. We'll get into it all. I mean, I, I had Ashley Lawrence on the show. I think it was about probably about two years ago. It was, it was when I was in the office. So it was pre COVID. I think it was a few good six months before COVID at least. Yeah. I think um, it was like 18, 18 months, two years, I think. Yeah. I'd say, yeah. Late, I'd say late 2019, maybe um would be and, and i remember him talking about the group i, I don't have um the detail to hand exactly what we talked about throughout but i know one of the one of the things Jay, uh, ashley was talking about was trying to you know build a brand as trinovo um that that like filters down into all the different businesses so tell us what does it what does the company look like is it from a bird's eye view how would you explain the business as it is today yes so you got you got three three separate brands um I guess this is something that we're we're looking at effectively changing the the opinion and changing the the, the appeal or recognition of the market of what each brand does. Because mm-hmm. in the outset, typically you say Broadgate they do financial services, which isn't actually correct. Um, right. Yeah, but Biotown get a little bit about healthcare, often yeah, approached by like doing clinical nurses, doctors, etc. Which again isn't isn't really what they do. I mean, Soda is probably the the most obvious brand recognition in terms of what they do is very very clearly and obviously digital. So mm-hmm. as as a group, really, we position ourselves to be a tech-based disruptors in their market space. So we've got a core strategy around like med tech, health tech, fintech, biotech, and the PE and VCs that actually invest into them. Um, and then Biotalent and Soda are full full lifecycle recruiters. So they'll look at really anything from concept through scale up, through commercialization and launch. Uh, Soda being digital, Biotalent being life sciences, and then Broadgate really like the the enterprise corporate support so looking at ip risk cyber like the business enablement business protection to enable those high growth businesses to scale basically so as a group we find that we'll have lots of clients where we look at one client that all three businesses support 
It's quite a unique offering that we will help those tech-based across all areas of business. Typically, you find they'll help with software, but not the life sciences piece, or they'll help with life sciences, but not the, the risk or accounting and finance piece in the back end. So really, as a group, that's the, that's the challenge, I guess, is, is merging that together to get that, that brand recognition externally about what we do and, and effectively how we can help businesses. Does it feel like one brand internally? Do you all feel like one company, or does it feel like different entities? Yeah, I, I guess there's a bit of both. So we're, we're definitely one company. We've, uh, when I first launched Biotown, we were we were London. So we we're all in the same office. We had like yeah, far too many people for the number of deaths. So all ran on top of each other in, in a small office and grown out since then. But yeah, you, you would know if you walked into the office which brand everyone works for because there's slight nuances, slight, slight different behaviours, cultures. But coming together, they all they yeah, definitely can tell that all turnover. They all have the same shared purpose, the same shared vision. And really the same why why we do what we do comes through quite strongly across all three brands that is the same. So how do you describe Trinovo then? What's the if someone asked you what 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 is Trinovo and why and what's the need for Trinovo? So I guess yeah, it probably starts with starts with the name a little bit. So Tri being three, Innovo being Latin for innovation. So three businesses. Right. We're we're all super passionate as shareholders. So we're, we're completely it was organic. We've grown with just the money that we've generated, put back in and scaled, scaled organically. Um Really, what we stand for, like purpose over profit, is really important for us. That like we we want to be the most impactful recruiting business on the planet. Full stop. Like that's our that's our vision. That's our aim. That's what we want to do, and that's that's impacting via diversity, via equity, via inclusion, via thought leadership, um, and that's really important. That's what we want to do, and we're we're in a lucky position that we can we can disrupt recruitment by having a, a different impact, and particularly generating careers for people in recruitment i'm sure you see it particularly uk uk is probably the worst market globally for it, in my opinion that people do it for two to four years pigeonhole in one small role get out of it there's some amazing inspiring people you look at who have amazing careers in recruitment um but not as many as there can be and there's some amazing people that just don't retain in recruitment because they only get given one role so our vision about turnover when we launched and, and formed and merged as a group was we want to create a culture that no one wanted to leave um, and by doing that, we wanted to be purpose over profit and, and be the most impactful recruitment business on the planet. And that, that's really what, what we stand for and how we want to disrupt recruitment through through that message and, and through all the, the different work streams that we have to, to live up to that. Well, I, I, it's a big vision. I like it. It's a big vision. Yeah, it's a really big vision. So tell us about your experience then. So you, I'm just, uh, you know, I haven't looked at previous to this to the show. You were, was it Hobson Pryor? Is that, is that a business you joined as a recruiter then back in it was yeah. early 2016 was it uh, 2011 oh, 2011 Sorry, that was when you left 2011 yeah. yeah so i yeah i mean I, I came out of uni i was had some weird and wonderful jobs always been quite entrepreneurial like i launched my own you know, skiing website business that reviewed websites sold insurance for ensley sold laptops at curries and at the same time um was a photographer for red bull so a very weird mix of, of oh, random really? jobs um which is pretty well, cool really fun Bit like me, yeah. I, I got into recruitment in March 2011, so it's okay. Yeah, so I, I was. It feels like that. a lifetime ago, but it's also quite quick. It's just a, it it's does. ten years ago, isn't it? It does. I've, my hair's falling out. I've put on a lot of weight, but I've enjoyed it. So yeah, well, I, I, didn't, I wasn't white as a sheet on my head, but you get on with it, don't you? You get exactly. on exactly. So exactly, what, what made so, you get into? Why did you choose recruitment at that point? So I, I mean, to be fair, when I came out, you know, I really didn't know what I wanted to do. I just knew I had a really clear ambition. So a lot of it stemmed from wanting to be successful and, and prove a few people wrong in my in my life that I, I could achieve more without being 
the most academic person. Mm. But I've, I've, I personally, I've never been one that I can't do exams, can't do revision. It's not that's not me. Mm. I'm like doing and learning by doing, and actually yeah, making changes by, by doing. So mm. yeah, I was looking at what what could I do that could fulfill what I wanted to achieve, earn myself a good lifestyle. Always I think I remember it like GCSEs. We had a you know, most likely become a millionaire, and it was me. And it's because I really? always had this entrepreneurial thing. And for me, I was like, well, what can I do that ultimately, yeah, 20, 20 years down the time will get me there, if not quicker. Mm-hmm. Recruitment kept coming up again and again. And yeah, effectively, someone approached me at uni and said, have you thought about doing it initially? Planted the seed. And then, yeah, met, met Hobson Pryor. I was in my local town in Tunbridge Wells. Um, actually played tennis with a couple of directors that didn't realise what they did. So chatted to them, started there. Had a couple of offers to join. Had a, a legal offer, a finance offer, and, and effectively life sciences. I, to be honest, I didn't have a passion at that point for life sciences. It just happened to be the best offer for me based on the cultural fit um, and based on yeah, salary, location, all, all those things that you think about as well when, when choosing a first job in recruitment without really knowing what a job in recruitment is at the time. Um, so yeah, I fell in as a trainee um, and then worked. So two years, Hobson Pryor was bought by ICS. So it's, some of you may know they're re- rebranded as a KCM group or a right. I might be pronouncing it wrong. Not sure, not sure how we pronounce it now, but basically bought by ICS and uh, at the time, Hobson Pryor were probably about 35 people when we were sold. Right. And then I got offered the opportunity to go and head up their, their London office, so launch a London office for Biotown two years in, thrown in at the deep end, given a full PL, kind of up there on my own, sitting outside the CEO of a yeah, 1,000 person business's office with just me and three people from Tunbridge Wells. Um, and then scaled <laughs> it, yeah, scaled, scaled it there really. So all perm UK and then, yeah, look throughout Europe and then later days US, um, which are supporting with, with some training and development for the, for the Boston team. Um, and they'd scaled it to, to 26 people in four years, a very really? profitable part of the business. And then effectively always wanted to leave and up on my own. So effectively left and. So when, let's just stop, stop there. So when, when, can you remember when you, you said you always wanted to leave, but was there a moment where you went, now's the time? Like I, I now, maybe not I'm going to leave today, but now I, like, there's no longer an if and it's just like right working out the exact date uh i guess it was it's, it's, it was an ongoing conversation that i've been having for a couple of years before i left so probably really in the last two years and i had a great time at hobson prior I, I wouldn't be able to do what i did now without the, the training the trust the support um and to be honest a lot of it was there's the visibility about how to actually run a business not just be a recruiter and um, mm-hmm. something that i've tried to carry through to Genovo and Give even team leaders, new managers, give them all the tools of PL, the value drivers, what we're trying to Im- influence and manipulate to, to effectively make it the, the best business and the best pro- um, enterprise value we can for Trinovo. So I've always, I think I was quite lucky in that sense that I had that from an early, early day. Um, and then, yeah, I guess coupled with my own random dabblings in there, launching my own businesses in the past, I knew I like, wanted to do it. And then I got introduced to Ashley uh, through through Ben Adams, who's who's a yeah, founder of yeah, Biotown, but also of, of Broadgate Search. So right. different parts of the group. We went to school together, um, and he introduced me to Ashley. Got talking over a six month period. We built through a business plan, discussed the yeah, investment. There's a couple of different options to to launch, which would either all all be me rather than be part of a group. Um, some of it was like cash up front to go and build it and give away part of the business. Other ones were the support infrastructure. Um, but I guess the, the personal connection to Ben um, and then the, the inspiration and, and what Ashley had done before in particular. And so those two combined were, were really things that just suited perfectly. What was, the, for, what was their know. business like at that point when they were pitching that idea to you? Like, what did they look, what did they already have in place? Massively different to what it is now. <laughs> so it was definitely, I mean, Broadgate were 
must be near three, three years old. So yeah. themselves relatively new. So to seven years. Um, and they'd learned and gone through a lot of the mistakes that a lot of recruiting businesses make when, when setting up on their own. So it was, I think it was that almost, yeah, I guess it was a comfort blanket in the sense that you knew that you had two people there that had both, both been really successful and launched on their own scaled on their own that you could learn from and say look actually i'm going to make this decision can we just talk it through and see what what impact that might have further down the line um and that that for me was 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 really powerful but but their businesses were, were very very different um both have grown so much um branding's changed market focus has changed uh yeah, internationalization they were very very uk focused at the time obviously not now but yeah, size wise we're probably 40 40 people roughly right. overall Decent size though, like there's a considerable business there, and you were like, you said you were also thinking about just doing it completely alone. Yeah, 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 just, yeah, just a, a couple of offers I had from yeah, one from a, an investor who who you know, we'd been kind of socialising with for like a couple of years and got on to about what I wanted to do longer term, and then put put some cash on the table to basically just hands off. I want part of the business. You go and set it up and run it. Um, Why would you need yeah. investment? What was the reason? I guess that that was it. It's uh, well for me. That's why I didn't go for it as well. Is that the, the the actual cash investment was less important than that environment and the ability to scale and get get scale quickly, and also have someone that could learn from the mistakes that's done it yeah. themselves as well. So for me, yeah, the, the, do you need investment to launch recruitment? I guess you need some sort of investment. You need that. Yeah, you need you need to be able to pay yourself or, or or be able to support yourself through at least that six to nine month period until you know, in reality, even if you start making places, we start making placements month two to be able to actually pay for everything that's going on and hire people and actually get the cash in the bank. It's, it's, it's not month two, obviously it's uh, yeah. you know, really six to nine months before you can start, start yeah. being you know, generating profit. Yeah. I think I've noticed through, through this podcast, you know, the, this kind of, there's two types of people typically there's the people that think, you know what, I'm just going to organically grow it and, it's down to my billings. Usually, you know, two men in a shed type thing, which is what I interviewed two guys last week, Carrington West, who did that. They had, you know, the classic working in a garage with no heating on and they had like fingerless gloves while they were typing away. It was brilliant. And then you've got like Logan Naidu from Dartmouth a couple of weeks ago, you know, from day one had money in a pot, took like six, seven people on day one, kind of, you know, was 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 already thinking strategically about the fact that you know I need investment to get these people in to ramp up fast. Was, were you leaning more in that stretch where you'd kind of you knew you didn't want it to just be all about you? Yeah, I, I think so. So before I left and set up, I hadn't been billing for the last eighteen months. Yeah. So I was yeah off the tools. T- team sizes yeah, t- 26, 28 um, in my direct team. So basically, it, it, it handed over and was, was yeah, managing managers at that point and. I knew that I didn't want to go back and be doing 360 investment my life. That, 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 that wasn't for me. That wasn't going to fulfill what I wanted to achieve. So, yeah, I, I knew that we had to get the headcount in. And, and, and we didn't, I also didn't want it to be a lifestyle business. I wanted to grow it to, to effectively be a, a, a proper, scalable, valuable business. So that, that was really clear as well. Yeah. That, do you know what? <sighs> I was quite naive. I was in a similar position. I was managing like half the company at Venquist. had like 20 odd people in the team. I'd not really build for a year and a half, but for some reason, I never crossed my mind to get investment and build it that way. I just, I just thought I had to go back to being in my underpants doing deals. And I think that was probably what led me to change my mind in the end and really look at other things because I wasn't that, I just wasn't that excited about going back to, back to just 
replacing contractors on my own. Um, I wish I'd have, I don't know, maybe I wasn't surrounded by the right people. Maybe I didn't have, I didn't know, I don't think I had a single investor type friend. I don't think I knew anyone like that. Um, so your network's important, isn't it? Um, Definitely. So you, you took, you made that decision. Did you, did you bring anyone with you? Did you, how did you, how did you actually get it all off the ground? Yeah, so I guess you go back to the early days. It, it was literally me and and one person that we yeah, had a couple of video calls with. Took a leap of faith to relocate to London um, on our own. Uh, took a leap of faith, joined the group. So it's just two of us who yeah, we hadn't worked together before. Um, relatively junior, about a year's experience at the time. So it's yeah, very very different being in an office of forty people. As two of us haven't worked together, yeah, launching on our own. Um, but there were two people that I brought with me yeah, after non-compete ended, effectively at, at HP. That one of whom, who, who I trained, Nick Nick Ball, who I've kind of backfilled my own role in in Biotel now, who's now basically mm. replaced me as, as, as heading up Biotel as I've done the group role. Um, and he's someone I trained. I think he was employee number four that I ever I ever trained and hired as a manager. Um, same vision, same yeah passion, and and and, and like the, the, that growth mindset. So he was someone I wanted to come on the journey with me quite early doors. Um, so he joined, I think, nine months after we launched, give or take. Um, and, and yeah, he's he's been yeah, instrumental into growing Biotown and obviously giving me that bandwidth from a management capacity to, to take it to the next level. Um, and then someone else, Mike, Mike, who joined me as well, who was really junior at the time. Like he, he only had about 18 months experience, but was was really high performing, super ambitious. And for me, when I launched, I knew it had to be, to, yeah, for me, candidates come first. So you need to get the candidates because that's ultimately what we're selling. Let's be honest, we've got to take yeah. candidates and, picking the right try not to do everything but get your niche stay really true to your niche um and so my, mine was my own particular market and, and this guy mike who brought with me his skill set even at really early yeah early part in his career was all about business development winning new accounts and for me that that's the skill that we wanted to be able to put organic growth and trainees into the business behind that with someone who could bring in the accounts and we can train trainees to, to get the candidate piece do the volume work um, and ultimately then give them the same progression that that I've had and, and that I've always trained people before. So yeah, it was, yeah, our strategy was always around hiring and growing organically. So when so we were, what uh, was that first uh, year like? What was it actually like when you were doing it? And it sounds great strategically, but when you're actually there, you've yeah. quit your job and you start. <laughs> it, it's uh I mean, it's, it is whatever anyone says. It is very different than what you expect, like it, in good ways and bad ways. Good ways is sometimes you wake up and you say, oh, I can literally do whatever I want today. Um, yeah, what, what do I want to do? What we're going to focus on? There's four of us. Yeah, we, we have no jobs. We have no clients. How are we going to go and change that for this month? Um, but, but in reality, like that problem solving, that team working, that, that shared vision early doors about why Biotalent was different and how we were going to approach our market space both in terms of the, the niche that we wanted to pick up on, where there was less competition and quite limited competition, but also the way we were going to do things and how we wanted to disrupt the market. That that really was the excitement and the passion that we created around it. Uh, but yeah, it was, you know, we scaled to, I think it was eight eight people by the end of, yeah, first, by, uh, first year in. So effectively, yeah, pr pretty quick. We definitely made mistakes along the way. So particularly around like the, the, the hiring and the strategy of who we hired. So people who maybe had really good billing track records, but actually in reality couldn't translate it to a startup environment because they were yeah, potentially thought, and actually they could do business development from a sense of if it was an existing account, they could open it up and get more business. But when you need someone to just go and open brand new accounts, no one knows buyer talent. 
no one knows anything about us full stop and we had one page website that was looked pretty cool a little moving video of a, a, a dna strand or something at the time i can't quite remember exactly what it was but pretty cool video with no other data on there no other intel um yeah you need a very different type of person to join you on that journey and start from from day one um, what do you need then tell us what 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 if you could give someone advice so let's yeah. just say i'm an owner and and yeah i'm not maybe the most BD savvy myself, and I'm, I'm trying to find someone who's going to support me in that in the early days. What what are the ingredients you think will get you there? I think so. so B, BD is definitely one part of it. When we say BD, it's a lot of it is that you don't have to have any experience of BD. You've got to have a desire and the willing. And, and for me, it comes down to the personal attributes to be able to understand and, and from the owner perspective to to really paint a really true picture of what what people should expect when joining. And actually, yeah, even if we have accounts, no matter what we say, year one, we're not going to have enough accounts we're going to need more accounts and everybody from a, a trainee that joins all the way up to, to someone who's, who's principal team leader, really a big part of your role is going to be speaking to people that have no idea who we are as a business. So that, that resilience, um, that self drive, that, or that, that real passion to, to buy into the, the really buy into what you're trying to achieve and why you're trying to do it is, is so important. So for, for me, the attributes, the attributes piece is absolutely key. And we, we had, so our, our second top bill at year one was a trainee who was the fourth hire we made. No experience at all, anything to do with sales. Um, I'm sure she knows who she is when I'm speaking about this, but she built billed 220 grand year one. Wow. Where buyer talent was year one as well. She had no experience in anything. Like, it was just threw herself into it. How the hell did she do that then? T to be honest, um, I don't think anyone knows really. Is the uh, <laughs> you big deals or was it like consistent? No, no, it's not his number of deals. So it's over 35 deals. So it's quite relatively small deals, mm. but like she, yeah, holding herself accountable. So setting, always pushing for more, wanting, wanting more, throwing herself into it. Um, even stuff like she, she, I'm sure she, what I'm saying, but she absolutely hated business development, like with a passion. Um, but she didn't stop her doing it and she, she was actually really successful at it and, 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 and could open new accounts. Um, I think just modesty, like always asking for, for criticism and help and not taking it personally. So yeah, she, she was, yeah, just had the right, yeah, the right attitude. And, and to this day, she's still performing ex extreme, extremely well in the business and supports other people coming through. So it's, it's quite a nice story that trainee number one is now still with us and performing at a really high standard and, and actually, yeah, is passing her knowledge of how it was and how it used to be on to, to trainees that are coming in now into her team. So I'm interrupting today's episode to introduce today's sponsor, which is District 4. Some of you who listen to The Rag may have listened to the episode I did in Season 4 with James Johnson. James was the outwardly-facing um, CEO of Nickel Curtain Group, who sold in 2020 and has recently started a company called District 4. Mm -hmm. Now, after the episode, mm -hmm. James and I spoke and... My passion for this model, for this idea is incredible because I've been the person that he's looking to work with. So when we discussed um, partnering with the with the show, I, you know, it was a no brainer for me. Um, District 4, for those of you that don't know, is a, is a brand new business model. And it's effectively a community of independent top billing recruiters that work under the banner of District 4, um, but, but run their own life. So um, post COVID-19, there's going to be a we know there's a hell of a lot of top recruiters out there that have been working independently more so than ever before. Um, and there's a lot of people in the industry that don't necessarily love the whole people management bit. They're not managers. They're not directors. They just want to be really good recruiters. Now, traditionally, the only option for you as, a, as an individual like this has been to start your own agency. And there's a reason why 
90% of the recruitment agencies in the world are sub 10 staff is because most people who do this start a recruitment agency having been a top biller, not a manager. And then they, they, they build something that around them is, is, is not necessarily what they set out to do. And, they, and they're not built for scale that way. Whereas District 4 is a community of top performers who all work together um, and support each other. So if you're billing at least 200 grand and you're a niche recruiter, you can be a member of District 4, which means you effectively will recruit under their banner and be surrounded by other top billers. So you will be in like a daily contact and support network with other people billing the same sort of money at a similar point in their career who each want to um, have an amazing life. So none of you are going to be interested in, in building teams. It's going to be about billing as much as you can, about doing the best job you can and living the lifestyle you want, going on as many holidays as you want, finishing work when you want, living and working wherever you want, but knowing that you're your back office is supported, your legal, your compliance, your payroll, all the crap that recruiters don't really want to do. And believe me, when you start a business, it does bog you down. All of those things are taken away. James and his team will manage that. But not only that, they will coach you. James is, a, is an executive mentor. He works with startup founders. He helps people. He's also you know, spent some time with me recently as well, which has been incredible. Um, so he will not only make sure that your back office is taken care of, but the business will coach you, mentor you and surround you. That's the key. It will surround you with A players, other top billing recruiters that are on the same path. It's like joining a Premier League club, all right? You don't join a Premier League club and then be in the first team with some juniors that haven't got the talent. Recruitment agencies across the world are exactly like that, whereas this is not. It's only for people building 200K or more. So if you thought your only option was to start your own agency or to stay in your business and go down some corporate ladder you didn't fancy, you need to speak to these guys. Go to www.district4.io forward slash hoxo. That's www.district4.io forward slash hoxo. On there, you'll see more information about their membership, how to get involved and register your interest. Within days, James will be on the phone. You'll have a conversation about the opportunity and you might be one step closer to being in control of your destiny. Don't wait now. Make that contact and change your life post-COVID for the better. I mean, it's only three years ago, isn't it? When it, when you start, yeah. started the business. Yeah. It's actually relatively a short period of time. I know that, you know, I, I was four years, March, March, 2017, we launched Toxo. So I can really cast my mind back to the time you started it. And, um, you know, you, it's, it's, it's been a, it, I mean, it's better than 2020. <laughs> I know people who, I know a lot of people who started their business. One group of guys, I won't name them, but you know, two lads who started on the 1st of March, 2020, like they did like 450, 50 grand, I think, and they ended up hiring like they've got about eight or nine staff now. And incredible in, in, in yeah. a similar market to you, life yeah. science. Um, people have just got the energy for it, they'll do it. But it, I think there is a certain reality at the beginning when you sat there and you're like, fuck, there is actually no business here. Like, <laughs> we haven't yeah. got anything we can go after. Did you have that after Covenant though? You could start calling clients again and opening doors with people you, you knew. So after that, yeah. So, so and, and to be honest, I was a big believer that we, we had had to stick to those covenants as well. Like yeah. part of the the culture and you know, you know, purpose driven, impactful business. We don't want to start creating culture. And sometimes you interview people and they're like, oh, "I'm not going to. I'm going to ignore my my covenants. I'm going to just I'm gonna bring all these clients with me." And actually, that that really used to put me off when I interviewed people and experienced people because yeah, for me, if they're going to that, to, if they're going to that to old company, they'll do that to us. Let's be honest. Yeah. Uh, at some point, so yeah, we stuck to that. Um, 
yeah, it's probably only two clients that I worked with at HP that, that we actually work with now. Like the rest are all completely fresh, partly out of choice because we, we kind of pivoted the markets. We wanted to penetrate as, as Viatel and, and really spot that gap in the market to, to, to really focus on that scale-up commercialization piece in, in R&D. So any any business that was going to launch a new drug or new new product, we'd, we'd steer clear of traditional pharma and look more at biotech, cell, cell therapy, gene therapies, med tech, for example. But quite quite yeah anything advanced and cutting edge where it was really talent short okay and so that was our that was our go-to market that yeah we, we wouldn't focus on traditional regulatory medical clinical that a lot of life science recruiters do would focus more on yeah, bioinformatics process development msat for example that was, was quite quite niche at the time now it's becoming a lot more a lot more common but at the time there's very few so we had a lot of clients that effectively speak to and they said right we haven't heard of you but we also haven't heard of anyone that can help us in this area therefore yeah, let's give you a go and see what happens. So, yeah, a bit, a big part of for, for me, a big part of the. I mean, going back to one of your one of your questions about that, how do you get through that initial phase and that initial setup? Um, yeah, you've got to have the candidates to. For, for me, in our in our market, it was candidate driven. So it was all about targets, all around candidates, and then it was all about the outreach and the actual terms of business signed. Um, and that was far more important than sales for us at the beginning. So we'd be looking at yeah per, per person we were looking at we wanted to be signing a minimum of three new clients per month and um, actual countersign terms um, in our core market so that they'd, they'd have to count if it was someone trying to sign someone else from left field in a different country didn't work in in a different sector say regulatory actually we weren't that that's not what we wanted that doesn't count towards what we want to achieve so staying really true to why we were doing really it really difficult as well in a in a in a start yeah. because people are like you got two people's. I know people that will be like, look, you've got to stick to what you want. You've got to stay true to your vision. And I think that takes mad bravery. And then there's other people that say, just get the money in in the first year and then you can streamline later. I kind of, kind of see both sides. But it, do you think having the, did you have the backing of the Tronovo or the, the group that allowed you to be a bit more, what's the word, have a bit more patience with decisions and things? Did it, did it have an impact on you in that first year? I guess, again, it's that, it's that comfort blanket of, I mean, obviously, there would have been a point that if if we didn't make it successful, the plug would be pulled and we'd we'd call it call it quits and cut yeah. our losses. But so, but there is a slight comfort blanket that actually yeah, it's not yeah, there, there isn't like a you haven't got a hundred grand in the bank and it will run out in six months if you don't get it right. Because yeah, there was that that period of time that you, you could almost yeah, you, yeah, not not that we needed to at all, and it never actually came up. And we paid back the investment before the end of year one, um, which was something that was yeah, ahead of what we wanted to achieve, but. The yeah, I, th- I think it does have an impact there because if it's your money on the line and, it, and literally six months worth of work, and it, if you don't make it a success and you don't get money in, then that's it. It's very different than yeah. well, we've got a, we've got a plan over two years to get this vision up and running and make it happen. Is is yeah, it's that comfort blanket. I think makes sense. What what impact or how sorry how did you structure the kind of leadership board level conversations between yourself i think ben and ashley in that first year like what sort of things did you guys do to yeah sure that you were learning you were being pushed and you were you know it, it, it was more organized than a, than a classic chaotic start i don't know if it was to be fair <laughs> but, yeah, there, there's a lot that was and um, so i mean what, what, one of the best things for me really was that that they kind of left me to it and I, I could do what I wanted and they were there when we needed support and, and, and guidance. And a lot of the support and guidance was yeah, around contract where I've never had a contract background. We wanted to scale contract and obviously keep that as a core part of our strategy. So there's a lot of support 
particularly Ashley from his background at S3 and then what he's done since then as well, which was was, was exceedingly helpful in that space. Um, but, but board meetings really were around, it, it was quite, it, thinking back now is very different than how I do it again, but very reactive to, to sales, performance, metrics, individuals, less around the forward thinking piece at the time. And the forward thinking piece would, would kind of happen. Yeah, we used to do vision days every quarter for buyer talent. Are we holding ourselves accountable to what we're achieving? If not, why not? Actually, yeah, innovation, who can bring you ideas? How are we going to expand? How are we going to... So we, we did get a few things wrong. And I think yeah, that, that they were the chance to spot that, catch it early and try and fix yeah. it and, and hold ourselves true to that as well. So how did you finish year one? What were the numbers you achieved? Year one, uh, about 900K, wow. eight people. Um, awesome. Yeah, it was, it was very it was good, good, very good year one. Like it's ahead of where we expected to be. How did, you feel? How did you feel at that point? Oh, it was amazing. I think, yeah, absolutely amazing. Like it's, it's that, I guess, satisfaction, pride. Um, it's a different type of pride to feeling pride in, yeah, when it's not your actual business yeah. and you're doing really well. It's a different type of pride. So it's, it's that, yeah, it's that self-recognition. Um, personally, like not, not someone else telling you, yeah, but your, your own personal self-recognition that it just it hits you slightly differently, I think. I don't know how to put it into words, but it does hit you differently no, when I it's know. your own business. I know what you mean. I mean, but that that is some serious numbers in year one. That's that's really impressive, mate. Like as well as trying to grow, trying to grow people as well. Um, were you doing deals towards the back end of that year, or do you already step back into the yeah. old old role? No, I, I I was still doing deals until August 2019. I've done one yeah. deal this year. Bit of a mistake, but still <laughs> old habits die hard. And Not yeah, in terms of actually on the tools consulting was was about about 18 months in give or take yeah. yeah so what what was the year two like I, I i'm just gonna say like looking at my journey year one was a bit it was just a whirlwind of madness right we did we didn't we didn't we didn't do as well as you guys we did all right financially but it wasn't great um second year i felt like i had something to lose in the second year i found the first year was just complete excitement like i, I liken it to Wayne Rooney when he played football for Everton in the back in the day and he just banged that goal in against Arsenal off the bar. Like he had, he had no fear. Like he was just running around. I so that's what we were like. We were just making video content. We were just, I used to sit on the tube on it, no word of a lie, looking at people in suits back then when I was in my because I'd worked in a suit my whole career and then that I could wear what I want. And I was just like, losers. Like <laughs> I was like, you know, you know, you want to be an entrepreneur. It's it's a different I was like, this is not work. This is amazing. And then you realize year two, like, I, I forget, it doesn't matter what I'm wearing. Like, this is a business. This is serious. There's numbers to hit. Um, I personally felt like I had something to lose at that point. And it changed. It changed quite a lot. Did you experience anything similar? Or Yeah, I guess the fact that you've built something up, there is definitely that. There's that added pressure to live up to what you've done initially as well and to actually mm. not, not just plateau, but take it to the next level. So, yeah, year, year two, I mean, a lot of our mistakes were around the, the hiring strategy and trying to grow too quickly so stay true to verticals but do too many verticals too quickly mm. and always had this clear vision of uh, this is th these are the verticals we want to cover but really what i should have done initially was say quality assurance for example just as one and um, instead of going one there one in in process development one analytical development one in pharmacovigilance really what we should have done is said right let's get four in quality assurance before then going out to new verticals because otherwise we just ended spreading ourselves too thin um so there's the, that that was probably year two that journey as we put more heads in was actually 
putting their heads in the right places to, to really get the most out of them and to also give them the best best chance to succeed. Um, so there's a few few challenges like that, but but yeah, re- really successful again. So we won Startup Agency of the Year um, at, at the Global Recruiter Awards, which is a really good milestone to, to back mm-hmm. up what we were doing so far. So that was a good, yeah, I guess it's that that industry and that, that peer recognition for what we're achieving as well was, was really powerful. Um, and actually internally from a cultural perspective, it was really powerful when hiring externally, but also when, when effectively giving people, yeah, just, just honing in the vision and, and actually getting the buy-in that yeah, what we were doing was right. It isn't just about them billing and performing well, but on, in context of where we're at in relation to our industry, giving a bit of, of peer recognition as well was really good. Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was good. I, I can't really, to be completely honest, have too many complaints that like we opened. We got a Seco license. We registered in Switzerland, registered in Dublin, internationalized the business. Um, Sounds yeah. easy. Sounds easy, James. <laughs> Definitely right. wasn't easy. Definitely wasn't easy. Um, but a lot of that is the yeah the the, the group structure. And, and to be honest, uh, we haven't touched on it yet, but the, the best thing about launching the group is is some of the, the shared services, so a talent team, an L&D team, um, a training academy that was already built and ready to go, for example, means if you hire a grad, you've already got Broadgate and at the time, Soda's training academy, it was ready to go. We could put trainees into and it wasn't just me doing all the training. So that, so were that guys, was a massive leg up. Were you guys in the office with all them back then and, and yeah. seeing, and seeing uh, were you seeing like the deal board they were doing and the numbers? Yeah. And it's almost like, you know, that's where we're heading, guys. Like we're, we're on the same trajectory. That, that was it. And we, we used to do yeah, month, monthly roundups, which we still do as a group. We do everybody. Now it's all VC, but we have yeah, 120, 100, 130 of us on a VC presenting, shouting out the successes, the, the, the performances year to date. Um, so yeah, it's, a lot of it is you know, challenging yourself. Who are we going to yeah, buy a time? We want to knock someone off top spot as top biller. Who's going to do it? Um, and yeah, as the I guess the the upstart uh, trying to trying to get ourselves there. So again, that being part of something bigger and that that culture that yes, they're a startup and it was very agile, very flexible. All the challenges, but actually feeling like you're part of something bigger and you can see the numbers that are coming around that we could aspire to and, and try and beat. Um, so that healthy competition uh, and also being able to pass jobs between the businesses and, and get jobs back from their clients was also a benefit as well. Sounds it. Sounds awesome. A final interruption to today's episode to introduce Vincere. Vincere is the all-in-one CRM ATS platform built for the recruitment and staffing industry. Now, I first heard about these guys about a year ago. The amount of prospect recruitment agencies and clients I was working with that were telling me they were moving over to Vincere I had to look into it. And what I found was a business that had a global reach um, with multiple offices around the world. So they've got this follow the sun methodology, which allows them to support recruitment businesses wherever you are and, have, and, and be in your time zone. But the technology that they've invested in um, is becoming a, a disruptor in the space. More and more recruitment businesses are, are doing this to give their, their recruiters a competitive advantage. They broke into the G2 Crowd's Momentum Grid as a market leader based on their reviews from their customers. So the, the agencies that are using this platform are raving about it. Now, if you're a rag listener and you're thinking about changing CRM or you're a new business looking to launch with a new CRM, then I would get in touch with, the, with these guys because if you mention that you're a rag listener, they're doing an amazing deal. By visiting www.vincere.io forward slash rag, you can get an exclusive deal which offers two months completely free on a two-year commitment or three months completely free on a three-year commitment. This applies to all licenses that you've either signed up for now or that you'll add in the duration of the contract. So get on there and have a look. Finally, if you're listening to your recruiter and you're thinking, 
I want to move into a more of a business development role um, and I'd like to keep hold of my recruitment knowledge. Well, these guys are recruiting for a BD person, well, multiple roles in both Sydney and London right now. So if you've got a strong recruitment background, you want to move into BD and you want to work for a fast moving tech business that's helping people like you right now, then get in touch via their website because they're hiring today. Back to the show. Looking at your journey as, as bio, in BioTalent, again, basing this on, on your LinkedIn profile, a bit of research, it looks like it took you to COVID-19 and things changed a little bit. So where was the business pre-COVID? Like To paint the picture of February 2020. February 2020. Uh, <laughs> that amazing golden month that we... That golden we, that month. waiting for us. <laughs> no, no worries in the world. No, definitely not. So we were... It's actually we we were having a, we were having a bio talent leadership team which was which was three of us plus our COO DJ, and in Switzerland because we yeah we yeah, effectively setting the strategy and for internationalization, on a train from Milan to to Zug and they said this is the last train from Milan to Zug because of COVID and we were like COVID is it is it coming over here? <laughs> um, anyway, before we knew it, so that, that was the the realization that things were about to change um, and very quickly two weeks later we were in full lockdown, so yeah it was it, it, it all happened very quickly. I think it, the business, so Biotown was 16 people in, in COVID. Um, we had about four to start and effectively role-playing. They did a huge amount of work with actually looking at what's important to us, how, how are we going to forecast if the business, it, really what are the early signs that we're, we're struggling to perform, for example, as a whole group. So looking at forward pipelining, um, our work in progress, and then going back a stretch before that, looking at three basic basic metrics that were basically going to be our, our earliest warning sign of, of, of something going wrong, which was CVs, jobs and interviews. Yeah. So we broke it down, made it really simple. You tightly managed those numbers. So created effectively a, a, across the whole group, a weekly sales meeting that I hosted to, to effectively focus in on those, the work in progress for pipeline. Um, and yeah, we, we made some, we made some decisions on people who we thought weren't right, who were, who were underperforming on performance improvement plans anyway. So we, we we lost four people about biotalent specifically yep. at that time, um, but we didn't shy away from still making those investment hires. So fast forward to the end of last year, we we were thirty six people at biotalent wow. during COVID. So yeah, and, and sales yeah, it wasn't just heads for the sake of heads. Sales yeah, increased by a greater proportion than the heads that we put in. Which yeah, looking back now is is very crazy to say how it happened like that. The the market you're in and being COVID related or not. Uh, so, so very little of our work is in COVID. I think some of it is that Biotech was quite international. So we had a bit of, I guess, spreading our risk, should we say. Mm. Um, some of it is, I think we've honestly got some absolutely incredible recruiters who are at the, the peak of their game and the best in their marketplace. So even though yeah, it, it got difficult, we effectively still had that, that level of consultant that was outperforming their peers, basically. And, and also still kept it true about new terms of business ultimately are the key thing that will drive us through that period. And if we're not signing up new terms of business, someone else is and we are effectively losing market share. So still keeping it on that activity and not, not feeling sorry for ourselves, basically, and not not feeling like the world is against us. And actually, what can we do? And I've always been a believer and probably very overly, you know, sometimes optimistic in these things. But where there's challenge, there's always opportunity. And it's our job as a business to view that as, okay, it's, it's, it's shit. It's really, really bad. It's awful. Um, but what can we do to capture the opportunity that inevitably will come out of the back end of something 
no matter what you look at, there's always opportunity. It's just the ones who can capture it, the ones that will, will effectively grow and the ones who wallow in self-pity and, and think the world's against us uh, or, yeah, business is going to be really... We all have the moments, don't we? We all have, the all moments. have those moments. But yeah. it's, about, it's about getting through that as fast as you can. Like, there's a... There's a thing I heard on another podcast where it said, you know, there's two types of people in business and there's the people that the room's on fire and there's there's certain people that will just keep saying the room's on fire, the room's on fire, the room's on fire. And then there's other people that know the room's on fucking fire and they're quietly working out how to get out of the room. And yeah. they're the people I want in my business around me at times like that. And, you know, our, our business came together so tight over that period. It was incredible. Yeah. Um, and... I'm really grateful of the people out around me, but as entrepreneurs, we have to be like that, right? We have to be. Yeah. I think it's also okay to show vulnerability in that as well. Yeah. Like to say, look, um, yeah, obviously we're worried about it. We're not, we're not turning a blind eye and saying it will all be okay because we'll find the opportunity. We're saying, look, it's it, it's awful. We're we're all it's new territory for all of us, and and actually, yeah, it makes me feel worried. But also, actually, this is what I'm doing about it to get over it. So being vulnerable as leaders and entrepreneurs as well, I think, is really important in that in that setting that. Yeah, people don't know what's going on. Sometimes they don't know what's going on. Some people might think, actually, I might get, I might lose my job because of this. If we can reassure them, look, we're all worried, but we're not going to make decisions. Like, if you're all here for the long run. This is what we're going to do to get through it. So that open, honest, and, and like you said, the coming together and really tight-knit group, 100%, like 100% see that off the back of it as well. And how did, did everyone, were you guys set up as a group at Trenovo to go remote easily or was it was it a bit of a yeah. problem? So, so we we had transitioned everything to be cloud based as much as much as possible the year before. So everything was yeah, phone systems, yeah, CRM, everything was was cloud based. Some people didn't have laptops. There was a bit of sourcing laptops at the beginning, but we'd also we'd launch the work from home policy anyway. So people were used to working from home, Good. apart from trainees probably. Uh, and yeah. there's also some people that just didn't never wanted to work from home. So across the board. Yeah, nowhere near what it is now, and there's lots again, and lots of learning and finding out how it'll work, and stupid Zoom quizzes every single week. They're definitely not something that I'd want to repeat again. Now and again, fine, but not every week. Um, so yeah, there, there's loads that we did, loads that we tried, tried to be as inclusive as possible, get feedback from from everybody, and, and actually put it into practice. But yeah, it is yeah adapting to that fully work from home. Yeah, we, we had a knowledge, but nowhere near enough for what, what was your life did. like outside of work at that point how were you how were you coping uh so i, I my wife might give a different answer to this so <laughs> glad she's not here um but so i i actually so mentally talking talking completely openly here i i was probably in quite a bad place the last 18 months at hp um for, for various reasons like not not happy with the way the business is going not feeling i could control and control my destiny anymore it's probably the first time i felt that yeah yeah. which yeah. is ultimately what what pushed me to leave and think actually i i, I can do this and I, I don't i don't believe in the direction the business is going or how they're running anymore which was like i could then now is the time for me to leave and do it myself um so i'd say i was a changed person like yes i was stressed but it's different kind of stress and it, it, it was stress that i could control and i could i get excited about it in a weird way because i knew and i could see the progress we were making i could see see where it was going um yeah so outside of work i think i was in i was in a much much better place and not not without challenges but actually yeah really proud and every month you gain confidence as an entrepreneur that you're doing the right thing when when you can see the journey that you're coming on and yes has knocked out and you have those self-doubts and you, you have the imposter syndrome and you think am i really doing that this is it now should i should, should i really make that decision but again it's about having those people around you that you can surround yourself with that 
you can use as a sounding board, um, whether it's internally, um, whether it's externally, peer, families, friends, people in your network. So important. That network really is so important for that. Yeah. I I remember just I went into some mad, crazy like exercise thing. I did this 75 hard challenge from March 30th to June the 13th, and it just saved my brain because I was like, I can't afford a hangover. I can't afford a day off. Like I, I'm just because I drank quite a bit the week it was going into lockdown and I was watching the news. I don't know why I had like about 10 Guinness in my fridge and I did like two or three a day for like three days. <laughs> they were great. But at the end of that week, I was like, I felt crap anyway. And the world was falling apart. And I was like, you know what? Nah. So I did this mad thing where I trained twice a day. I didn't eat a single cheat meal, didn't drink a drop of alcohol, but it meant that I, I was mentally as good as I could be. Um, yeah. and, I, and I'm really pleased I did that. I found the January one this year harder. I found yeah, January, a lot of February, people said that. Yeah, I really did because mainly the weather and you know just so many changes in my life and um, it was like fuck. We thought we were coming out of this. We're back in. Um, I think if we went into another one now, again, I think it'd be even harder than the January one. I, I think people are so in this yeah. country they're so mentally checked out that and with the vaccine you, you just it's almost inconceivable now to go back to that but it could yeah it could. <laughs> i say isn't it yeah yeah I, I, think, I think that's one thing though the lack of commute has a massive certainly on me anyway it was quite a long commute um just that time back massive impact on yeah well-being time to focus time to switch off time to actually yeah more time to to, to make an impact as well so that, yeah. that's probably the that the main positive for me from a yeah I guess a, a well-being point of view from not having to commute anymore and work from home so what what changed for you to become the CEO of Trinovo then so at this point you know you, you, you're running a 16 or so man business it's, it's going really well you're part of a group going really well COVID's here but you're all you know you're dealing with it how did that all happen how did you become the the, the big cheese the big cheese so I think <laughs> we're looking at the, the future vision and where we want to get the business to. So, um, which I'm, I'm sure we'll come to in a minute, but effectively looking at that, that growth journey from where we are and, and, and the need to really come together as a group at the point where we still, yeah, and we're, to be fair, there's still work to do on this as well. It's definitely not a finished article. And a lot of my time now is focused around achieving, you know, becoming a proper group. And like you said before, one brand, one business. Um, but we were even more fragmented. We were just going through designing the group, the narrative, effectively what we wanted it to be. Um, and, and Ashley was just, just talking through about the roles and group roles. And we, we did a whole exercise as a board. Effectively, yeah, what, what roles would people like? What would they what would they enjoy? Where are their skill sets? Where are their responsibilities? Um, and by going through that process, um, and to be fair, a huge amount of credit for this should go to Ashley, is that he said to me, he said, I think you're a better person to do the CEO role than what I'm going to do to take us to the next stage of the journey. Would you right. be interested in doing it? Um, and I mean, that, that yeah. For me, it's, it's yeah, absolutely amazing that it's, a someone in that position has almost the balls to actually want to do that and to actually be self-critical enough or self-aware enough—not critical, self-aware enough—to actually make that decision. Um, and and yeah, so effectively, we mapped it out further and and, and agreed about October time that there's the right decision for the group. So Q4, we effectively start tra started transitioning our roles. Um, wow. So Ash moving into his chairman role, me moving into a CEO role, and then me it, effectively at a buyer town perspective backfilling my role with Nick so moving Nick to become sales director of Biotown and give him the step up so it was 
quite complex and obviously there's, there's still ongoing work in terms of yeah bet, yeah yeah what the, the i guess the, the, that journey still in q1 and then officially uh, after christmas so it did a presentation for the christmas party announced it, what it's going to look like my vision how did the, the team because you've gone from almost some people in the other brands might have been there longer than you you know you've come in yeah. as the founder of a small business within the big thing how have they received the the, the change yeah uh, amazingly well uh yeah certainly as a group whether they have different views personally i don't know but i don't think so i think we're all we're all very open transparent aligned in what we want to achieve um, and i'm really really supportive um so yeah all of them called me individually afterwards and, and said like this is a really good move really excited for this fully support you and um, so creating those those group roles and, and yeah it was, it was it was really nice to get that 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 almost acceptance straight away without me having to prove myself in that role to get that acceptance from from the other shareholders um, and I guess it also helps the fact that Biotown by that point had grown to Biotown was the biggest part of the group last year from a profit perspective um, and and almost not quite but almost from a heads perspective so we'd grown and caught up and got to that position in quite a short space of time so there was that track record that they could see what I was doing and yeah. I'd already done a lot across the other businesses and a lot across the group in terms of structure process vision PLs, bonuses like effectively putting that or almost taking it from the state's sort of size of business it was to the next level a scalable business that we could demonstrate and repeat globally how did you feel stepping up what was the biggest biggest challenge you can remember in the in the early days of that taking that role on <laughs> so i think that this is going to sound very weird but the biggest challenge is it it's a completely different role than what doing a single brand MD role is. Okay. Um, so th though there's loads of aspects that are the same, to make change, it's far more complex and a moving beast all the time that you've got three different viewpoints, three different opinions to, to effectively make fit and, and make the right decisions for the group rather than make the right decisions for one brand. Because the decision you make at group does have a knock-on impact. And hopefully the decision has a positive impact to everybody, but there may be one part of the group, one person within a, a team or something that is negatively affected by a decision that you have to make for the, the effectively the, the good of the group. So it's it's a lot more strategic um, and it's a lot more like you, you don't see the instant wins as much as you would in in, in like a single brand role. So yeah, there, there, there are a couple of changes that immediately you, you realize that this is, this is very different and actually it's going to take a lot yeah, the, the projects are a lot more complex and take a lot longer to actually embed properly. Yeah. What what do you have in terms of a group structure, in terms of a team? Do you have people that work at just group level with you? So things like L&D and marketing or whatever. Like, Is there like a little group team that you work with every day as as your core? Yeah. Um, and that, to be fair, that's been a huge amount of, of, of our focus and, and particularly, I would say, our D DJs and COO DJ um, to to effectively get the back office or, or the support that we call it our corporate team, but get the corporate team into a position that can support the growth of the brands and the sales heads. Uh, so again, to put it into context, we were six people in that team uh, this time last year. Now we're, we're almost 20 people in that, in that corporate team. Uh, and that's really looking at bringing L and D in house, bringing finance in house. So we've hired yeah, Ollie, yeah, head up our L and D function and, um, Kara, uh, who's heading up our talent, so talent development and talent acquisition, who's been absolute game changer, incredible hire. And um, just Helen has started yesterday, new marketing director. We haven't had a group marketing role before, which you'll probably find amazing with your background. But um, yeah, we've, we've literally had two people um, who haven't worked in marketing roles before 
um, doing the marketing for all, all three brands. So a lot of it uh, has been around like getting the back, the, yeah, the, really the support functions, the corporate functions in a position that can scale the growth and that's still work in progress. Um, but yeah, we've got a, a group. I think I've got, I've got seven, seven direct reports that go up to me, to, one from each brand and then yeah. effectively yeah, the, the group. So what, what is an average day in your life like now? Talk, talk us through the things. <laughs> that yeah, so uh, first of all, there is no average day. It's, yeah. the, it's the first answer. So yeah, pull, pulled left, right and center. I think a lot of it is, so certainly I'll tell you, if you looked at the first couple of months in the new role, so for Jan, Jan, Feb was very yeah, reactive, getting to grips with creating my own board pack, putting my own stamp on it effectively trying to make some of the changes that I promised before Christmas immediately. So a lot was in the detail and making sure that yeah, everything links together. And um, March and then into April, kind of got through that initial intense storming phase and kind of moving into norming and then hopefully looking at, at performing as, as that's the next phase, which is a lot more forward thinking around you know, rolling out value drivers, like what, what, what ultimately I want my management team to be accountable to and what the board are accountable to in terms of the, yeah, so it might be looking at like churn percentage is what, what would good look like for culture. So actually setting some real tangible value drivers across all areas of the business that aside from pure sales, basically. Um, but typically I'd be spending time on that, looking at how I can influence them, interviews, networking. Um, yeah, still a few client calls here and then they'll know who they are if they listen to this. I know a couple of them message me saying they will be. So they'll know who they are if they listen to this. Um, and I'm trying to phase them out. <laughs> happy to happy to admit that um so yeah there's, there's a lot of that and then a lot of it is is one-on-ones mentoring coaching um supporting the new team that we're putting in place so we've, we've we've done done some amazing work as a leadership team as a new leadership team so effectively yeah, work together join the dots between the different functions um and a lot of it's looking at how we actually get the brands to work together as a group so huge amount of my focus certainly q1 has been focused on different tasks and priorities to get get it to a group as in operating like a group day-to-day rather than just separate brands um, could, you imagined, hard. could you have imagined this position three three years ago uh no <laughs> De- not, definitely not definitely not i think i think when we discuss there's always on the cards to form as a group like officially and, and have these proper group structures it just came around and, and it's happened a lot quicker than, than probably what i, I personally anticipated um, but that that's all credit to 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 the board and the shareholders and and actually the vision to have uh, as a as a group of leaders about where we want to get the business to and actually how and and who the best people are to get ourselves to this position. So I love it. It's it's like a proper. I like it. It's like a proper success story that you've gone in as the leader of a smaller part of the business and now you've took over the the whole thing. What so Ashley? I haven't spoke to for a while loved my interview with ash one of the things about him i think he'd done an mba and i just felt like his knowledge his knowledge of things was just incredible even offline you know some of the some of the questions he asked me i was like wow um what's he up to what's i've not spoke to him what's he up to now yeah so i'm not surprised you've heard about the mba so it's but it is like genuinely his his knowledge um is is exceptional like Mm -hmm. across all areas of the business to be fair as well not 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 just that anything to do with actual business side Um, but his role so his and effectively playing to his skill sets which is that investor narrative and wealth creation so we launched an emi scheme uh, last year to give give away 10 percent of the group effectively to to our employees Um, and he's been instrumental in in getting that up and running and and actually looking at how we how we create that that LTIP, that engagement for, for the future as well to, to, to give back. 
Um, and then, yeah, that wealth creation piece for them. And then coupled with that, the yeah, an investor narrative. So how we can join the dots, how we look as a business from the outside looking in. So almost taking a step back from day to day to look at it from a different perspective. So, yeah, he's still still yeah, heavily involved and, and brings a huge amount of innovation, ideas and energy. Um, and it's yeah, it's, it's just coming at it from a different angle. Whereas day to day, I'm leading the really like the vision, the implementing where we're going and actually day to day leadership of the board and, and the strategic growth of the business. He's looking at it from a, yeah, if he was external looking in, how would he innovate? How would he disrupt? Um, and, and effectively, how can he make sure that the the group is delivering on its, on, basically on its, on our vision to, to uh, effectively create that wealth creation for our, for our leadership what team. The, and top so what, have you got a vision that you can communicate? Like where, you know, is it to sell the whole thing? Are you trying to get to a certain point? Have you got a, an end goal in mind? Yeah, we, we definitely, I say not, not necessarily an end goal, um, but we've got an, an immediate goal. So we've got, got a, effectively a plan to go through two years, which I say two years, we're already into that two years now, which yeah, will go quickly. So we've got a plan to the end of 2022, which I presented to the business before Christmas and then out to, to effectively the, the, the next next transaction after that. So really, we, we, we don't want to sell to trade, really. like We, we keep the options open, but it have to be the right trades, like, to, to, to be honest. Like, we've all come from that background. We want to be disruptive. The right trade partner you would look at, but from our perspective, it's, it's it's not closing down different doors. It's about creating a business that we're proud of, that we're in control of is really important and we can still keep doing and disrupting. So a lot of our vision is around the growth. So we've, we've got we've got an aim to get to 10 million EBITDA, minimum 450 heads internationally. Keep, keep it simple as well. We don't want to be one of the businesses that has 10 offices in the US with five people in each office. That that for me isn't scale. That That's not us being able to prove we can replicate what we're doing and actually get real scale and penetration of markets. So we're looking at yeah three US offices, which we already have two, one in Dublin, one Manchester, one London, and then then one in in Germany, probably Berlin. So stick with those offices, get to four hundred fifty heads, scale organically, seventy five percent of it being organic growth. So consultant or below, they go through our academy, and then then effectively that 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 that's the that's the immediate goal. I say immediate goal, so you've got got to get there, but that's that's the first goal we've got lined up as a business, um and and stay true to who we are. Like, that's really important for me. Like we can't. We've got to create careers for people. We've got to give people the opportunity to to carve out a career. And um, so many of my friends who do recruitment, who are who are women, for example, leave recruitment when they want to have kids. So I'm at the age now. I've got my own little one, um, and lots of my friends have had little ones or thinking about having little ones. And often they've had to leave recruitment because they can't stay doing a 360 job or being a billing manager because yeah. businesses just do not support them coming back. So I'm really passionate to change that, create proper yeah. careers for people in recruitment. So we've got to stay true to that giving them different career pathways, being flexible, supporting yeah, families ultimately back into the workplace. Um, but also being that, yeah, the most impactful recruitment business on the planet. Like I'm genuinely serious that we want, we, we don't just want to say that we actually want to be that. How do you um, measure to do that? that? Very good question. So, so for me, we're and that, that's my job as well to make sure we can measure it. So that, that's a lot of what I'm working through at the moment, but for me, it's um, it, there's different ways we can have impact. So through our yeah, DEI, so diversity, equity, and inclusion, work streams 30 percent of the business volunteer and um, program lead and it's it's very much yeah, anybody gets involved so we have people who are associates who are project leading a, a pillar for example on gender diversity who are project managing a matrix team who might be even a way up to board and um, to make a change in the world they live in every quarter we have the clear accountabilities of what we want to change in the in the workplace and we've got a very clear diversity goal about we want to represent the worlds that we live in and we also want to change our clients to represent the worlds that they live in so one of the way that we benchmark it would be in each office, do we hire and is our, is our demographic internally representative of the actual location that our office is based? 
Um, and that's really important if we're gonna yeah if we're wow. gonna say we're gonna do these things our own client we've got to live up to ourselves and yeah. um, we've just launched a new or about to launch so yeah it's, it's not out yet but it will be next week and then a new maternity and paternity policy that is yeah, as far as i'm aware is is comfortably yeah, doubly as good as any other recruitment business i've ever seen um, and it's better than quite a lot of our industry end clients wow because we want to change and disrupt recruitment to not just be a classic 360 plug and play recruiter we want to be much more like the end client and, and actually change the world so there's loads of ways we're measuring impact it's not like one particular answer um another one would be like the some of the offline communities you might have seen women in devops i think yeah ashley talked about it in the first one and, yeah. and the power and the benefit that's had we've got that across all three businesses we've got yeah my race in science for bio talent we've got diversity and risk and regs for broadgate those offline communities have real impact and, and and generate a huge amount of positive change in their end and yeah, whatever space it's in, for example. Um, but also through thought leadership. So it might be about yeah doing a yeah, effectively changing the, the the approach of people from STEM backgrounds getting into getting into science, even at an early workforce engagement. So getting people into early workforce engagement at STEM into STEM subjects, so they can actually start filling some of the gaps we've got in engineering, in technology, etc. So we're, yeah, there's loads of ways is the is the answer, but effectively we'll try and yeah, in, in all areas, it's not always possible at the end of the day to actually put a, an actual metric to say this is what good looks like. All we can do is good for us would look like yeah, hosting this many events with this many attendees in some cases. Other ones we can actually put some more percentages and actual performance data t- attached to it. But yeah, it's not it's not just something we say to to have as a like a catchphrase or purpose. No, it no, is, clearly. Is yeah, it's really a lot moving in in terms of being able to achieve it. I'm, I'm excited to find out how you get on with it. Final question for you, James, as we wrap up. Um, and I feel like it's gone quick. This hour has gone absolutely rapid. Has gone quick. Um, <laughs> what? So you know, if someone else is thinking about joining a multi-brand organization, so they're thinking about being the founder or founding team of a of a new arm of a of an existing business, what advice would you give them to to ensure that they're getting the right they're going into the right deal with the right people um, and to make sure that they're making the right decision for them. I think one of the key things, what you just said, the right people, ultimately that, that for me is probably as important as anything else. Um, if you've got, if you're going and you're looking at speaking to people who, who have a similar structure or purely want to form a group, and it may be that there's three of you with small businesses to form a group. It's the same, same scenario really for me. It's, it's got to be people and you've got to A, trust them, understand what your role will actually be in that group so that was really important for me at the beginning was that i was it was very clear i had the autonomy to create buy a talent implement what i wanted do it as i i saw fit and, and really it was quite hands-off at the beginning um and and to this date as well from how we scale buy a talent and for me that was so important because i didn't want to go out of an environment where i was reporting into someone that i disagreed with into an environment where yes it's mine but i disagree with what i'm being told to do so yeah. it had to still feel like my business and, and and my growth and my ideas, my strategy. So I think that being aligned on your vision, what you were each going to bring to the party, what you're going to offer is so important. Um, and then also just just yeah, if you want a light, if you want a pure lifestyle business, it's probably not for you, I'd reckon. And that, that maybe a very very general sweep, sweeping statement there, but yeah, I, I did it because I wanted to get scale and we wanted to grow something, and we were all very ambitious. We all had this goal where we wanted to get it to. Which was which was great. But if we wanted to be yeah, just just stay with maybe five, ten people, and just really, with there any, is there any need to do that as a group and, and give away yeah part of the business or pro- probably not is the honest answer. But um, so yeah, I think a lot of it a lot of it is the a lot of it comes back to the people, people and and vision and alignment on what you want to achieve out of it is is, is the most important things for me. Love it. Well, James, I hope 
people have enjoyed this episode. I've personally enjoyed it. And I hope that people listen to what you're saying. There's a lot of people out there that, you know, there'll be so many new businesses formed in the next six to 12 months. COVID is, you know, coming out of COVID, the market's hot. Every so everyone I speak to says the market is is busy. That will drive people to think right now. And, you know, I've got through that. Some people will be too loyal to do it and others will make that move. So um, I hope anyone who's listening is, is, has pulled a lot of value from this and, uh, Let's get you back on in about a year's time. Let's see how the business goes under your leadership. Um, I'll get Ashley back on and wonder what he's doing with his time as well. We'll find out find out what he's up to. Um, if anyone has listened and does want to reach out, ask you some questions regarding what that topic, would you would you give them some time? Are you open to a chat? Yeah, definitely. Always, yeah. Via LinkedIn. We'll, we'll, we'll make sure if yeah. you're tagged and everything. If anyone wants to reach out, please reach out via LinkedIn. Um, it's been a pleasure. Thank you so much, James, for the time. Guys, Thanks for listening. I um, appreciate every single one of you that tunes in every single week. Um, the messages are incredible. And, um, you know, as a community, I think we are, we're, we're helping each other. So I always ask at the end of every show, please share this episode with someone that you think would get value from it. So if it's a colleague, a friend, a boss, whoever, someone who you think will listen to what James got to say and, and will use some of that information because together the industry is stronger. We, 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 we're competitive, but we are all in it for the same reasons, right? We all, everyone I interview wants to build great businesses and wants to be successful. And that's why we do it. Um, I'll be back again next Wednesday with another leader. In the meantime, please stay safe and I'll see you soon. This podcast is brought to you by Hoxo Media. We are the world's number one inbound marketing agency exclusively focused on helping the recruitment industry. Myself and my business partner started the business in 2017, having been recruiters for seven years before. We felt that the recruitment industry back then needed to change and that marketing was going to play a huge role in the way that new and existing recruitment organizations won business and stood out in such a crowded marketplace. In three years, we've now worked with over 200 organizations around the world. We reach a huge audience with both this podcast and content online and we have over 55 recruitment agencies right now we're managing the marketing force that involves strategy content creation distribution systems process and leads generated having been recruiters and marketeers we can not only build your brand but we're also able to connect it to your sales team and ensure that leads are generated as a result of marketing there's a clear roi that leads to sales activity but we also understand recruitment businesses, that small businesses, medium-sized businesses, large businesses in all sectors. We understand you, we've done the job, and we can build campaigns that are super relevant to what you need as a business right now. We've also recently launched the Hoxo Academy, which is designed to help recruitment owners, recruiters, and marketeers learn from the work that we do so that you can action some of this stuff in-house on your own. The Academy has been launched in May 2020, and has already had an amazing uh, response from the market and it's only going to grow one way. So if you're interested in either having Hoxo support, you build your marketing as a, as a supplier that acts as part of your team, or you want to be trained by us on how to do it yourself, then get in touch. Visit www.hoxomedia.com and register your interest on our homepage. We will then get back to you within 24 hours and arrange uh, an introductory call. Thanks again for listening to this show. Every single one of you means so much and we will see you again soon.